0: After the whirlwind events of Kyle Dubas exiting the Toronto Maple Leafs, he has now landed himself president of hockey operations with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That could be interesting for a lot of reasons, but obviously teams are now going to be looking at the Penguins and looking for a difference in direction. How will Dubas lead and what lessons could the Jets take from his tenure with Toronto? We'll dive into all of that on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. What's up, Jets fans? Welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLocal and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, like I said, obviously, a couple of fun topics tonight. The first one that I want to dive into is Kyle Dubas moving into the president of Hockey Ops with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, I know you're going to say, what does the ex-GM of Toronto mean to the Winnipeg Jets? And on the face of it, not a lot. Dubas obviously is somebody that I, I've seen some Jets fans uh, really clamoring for uh, over Kevin Shovel Dayoff, and yes, Dubas would absolutely be um, a big upgrade on what we've had in in terms of management with Winnipeg. But I think what's interesting with Dubas is some of the stuff that we can take from his tenure as uh, GM of the Leafs. Right, he had a couple of shortcomings that ultimately, I wouldn't say changed you know his entire outcome and and tenure with Toronto, but certainly, you know, for a guy who was thought to be a very forward-thinking, number-savvy general manager, I I think you could argue he wasn't always um, <clears throat> as progressive and, uh, I, I guess, future-leaning as a lot of people wanted him to be, right? I think that there were some folks who made him out to be, like, this anal- analytics wonderkind, and I don't really know that that's how he managed Toronto. Obviously his voice wasn't the only one in the organization helping to shape the vision of that team, but Dubas had final say on a lot of stuff uh, or at least enough to where you can probably guess how much of it is his uh, footprint and how much is, you know, the rest of the front office and management team. Now I suppose the interesting thing with Toronto is how they tried to keep their competitive window open with guys like Nylander, Marner, uh, and Matthews all in their primes at the same time, right? Toronto is one of those teams that has consistently, uh, despite the lack of playoff success, year in and year out, they've spent to try and build a competitive team, and they've tried to take a lot of shots at glory. Now, those shots ultimately only won them one actual playoff series, which is pretty nuts when you consider how good that team is. Uh, But there's obviously, there's something that has held them back, Whether it's a slight bit of dysfunction, maybe mediocre goaltending, or just the Toronto Maple Leafs curse. I really couldn't tell you, but either way, they have always fallen short of expectations. That said, I think Dubas for me, I will say, you know, I I think the Jets could probably adopt some of the same characteristics that he had when he was uh, really trying to keep their competitive window open. Now, the Jets obviously have some challenges when it comes to attracting free agents and stuff like that. But I think when it comes to trading and making acquisitions to help keep your team as competitive as possible, you know, Toronto was always okay with gambling futures if the return for the present was legitimately quality. Uh, The Ryan O'Reilly trade, I think, really sticks out as one that, you know, despite not guaranteeing more than just a, a round of a win, um, it, it was still a very big trade. Toronto still got quite a bit of value out of Ryan. And I think trades like that can really put a team like the Jets on the path towards being pretty consistently special. I think the Jets at times have been a little bit too conservative with their futures and stuff. And obviously with draft picks and, and all that, it's great to have them and it's great to build your pool of resources. But the danger is that the Jets basically draft really well but they seldom actually develop that talent into a lot of uh, rostered NHL players, right? We've had guys who have gotten close. We've even had a couple of recent breakthroughs, but for the most part, how many of our recent picks have actually skated really, really meaningful minutes for the Jets? The answer is not enough, and I think that for me is like, well, if you're struggling with development, that's kind of a separate question to improve, right? But acknowledge that and then instead focus on turning those assets into actual real NHL caliber players, because teams will always overvalue draft picks and stuff. That's just the truth of it. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have a chance at a phenomenal talent at whatever place you're picking, right? But the likelihood that that pick becomes an NHLer many years down the road versus a player who can help your competitive window right now when your team is in its prime, that is really hard to walk away from. And I think that's one of the big things the Jets kind of swung and missed on uh, over the past few years. Not every move that they made was small, right? Stastny, uh, Hayes, those guys weren't small acquisitions, but they paid really big dividends in Stastny's case. With Hayes, Paul Maurice just really hated him, so we didn't really see enough of Kevin in my mind, but those kinds of trades consistently are the sorts of things that Dubas was known for. So I feel like the Jets, you know, with their next future core once it's actually playoff competitive and it will be, I promise you it will be a playoff team. It'll just be a while. I think it's really important for the jet, for the jets to actually reinforce that team properly. And now I know that the, the financials right now are probably not going to support that going forward, but say four, five years down the road, we'll see how this jets team looks. And if Winnipeg is in a better state financially to start spending assets on really big acquisitions but for now we're going to have to go through a bit of a retooling period you know the Jets are probably going to have a bit of a roster makeover and that means the Jets uh, they might not be so good (laughs) let's be real they might not be so good but in the meantime you know one of the big questions is how can Winnipeg deal with free agency especially with a market that kind of sucks this year in just a little bit we'll dive into that question and what I hope Winnipeg approaches this free agency strategy with uh, in just a moment. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel is great because obviously you get great promotions every single day. You'll have chances to bet on all sorts of aspects of the game. And of course, it is very safe and secure to bet with FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid instantly. We all love instant gratification, especially when we are making and choosing our major picks for games. And FanDuel wants to make sure that you get that gratification as soon as possible. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit slash locked on to get a no sweat first bet. Again, of up to two thousand five hundred dollars. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Hello friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you again for joining us on tonight's discussion. We just finished talking about some of the lessons that we could take from Kyle Dubas's tenure as GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs as he moves into the president of Hockey Ops role with the Penguins. Obviously, you know, not everything Dubas did was particularly great, but there were some things that I think he really did well, especially when it came to extending Toronto's competitive window. Now, one of the things that is a challenge for GMs, and especially for the Jets, is free agency. And with the Jets likely to lose a lot of talent this offseason, Winnipeg is going to have more cap space than usual to add free agents, right? Uh, I, I think that there's no question that we're going to lose some big players. And most likely, the guys that are coming back are either going to be guys the Jets don't really want to roster or they're just thems Because Winnipeg, at this point, uh, they would probably love to cut back on salary even if they have a big cap hit still present on the sheets. Now, for free agency, I think the Jets could actually add some veteran talent. We've talked about a couple of the players before. Um, so if you want to dig through the, the archives, you know, some of the names like, uh, gosh, I didn't even remember, players of, of Gagne's caliber, maybe even um, a Thomas Tatar or something. A lot of those players are kind of like in that middle tier of, of, of quality veteran Tatar, I think, would be more in demand than most others because of his recent success with the New Jersey Devils, but he always seems to be very underrated. Now, I think the Jets could actually get some pretty good value out of players like that. I think the question for the Jets is, who are you signing and for how long? And I think Winnipeg's best approach for this upcoming uh, trade deadline and free agency period is pick up players on short-term deals to move at the deadline. Now, that doesn't mean that players actually would sign with the Jets uh, just because most guys aren't going to, I think, really relish the opportunity to uh, spend a few months in one city and then immediately have to pack up and move. You got to be realistic about the logistics of it. It's not easy or fun. But I think with Winnipeg's case, the Jets will have openings for players who may be underperformed in, in recent times or are sort of underrated veterans. And maybe the Jets could even put them higher up the lineup and showcase some of those skills and abilities that they bring to actually fetch a decent return. The Jets, unfortunately, I'm going to say, are, are a potential stepping stone club this year uh, for players who are maybe looking for um, like a contender to join, right? And I think the Jets could actually benefit from that by adding some peripheral prospects and, and picks uh, off of just using their cap space and weaponizing that uh, to try and and add assets because Winnipeg's rebuild, like it or not, is coming sooner rather than later. And it doesn't even have to be a full rebuild. I think the Jets could probably do a more gradual retooling if they play their cards right. But whether they do that or not is dependent on them fixing their development pipeline because that part still kind of sucks. But at least for free agency, I think the thing the Jets want to avoid is committing big salary to long-term deals for players who are just temporary. If you want to give Dylan Sandberg a big contract, I totally understand locking him up for the foreseeable future. I don't think it would cost that much, but I, I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, $4 million perhaps being the kind of price that you look for. Obviously, with a $4 million for like five years or something uh, sort of deal, that comes with a lot of uh, changes to how you'd be used. But I don't think Sandberg is going to be signing for something like that. I'd imagine he probably wants to do a shorter bridge anyways first. That's just uh, internally, though, right? For the Jets, I think free agency this year, um, especially the unrestricted free agents, the pool's not going to be great. So I think Winnipeg should look at some savvy veterans that they can get some decent value out of. And I guess the worst case scenario is the players either don't work out or they worked out a little too well and the Jets find themselves in a playoff spot. And they try and make a run with this group. That for me probably would not be uh, the outcome I'd want because then you kind of defeat the purpose of getting guys to flip. But I think, you know, for the Jets, aside from signing players to maybe look for um, trade partners at the deadline, Winnipeg just needs to have some leadership. And I also could imagine a bit of a culture change. I know that that sounds strange, but I think free agents and outsiders coming into this locker room could maybe breathe some fresh air into it. Uh, when Stasty came, he kind of had that same impact, right? He was a very, I wouldn't say fatherly figure, but he was very accountable and very blunt about how he felt things were going. And you could tell towards the end, the frustration did kind of boil over, but I think it'd just be nice to have some new blood for the Jets room to to shake things up and to start setting the groundwork for a better uh, relationship and, and squad of the future. Now, from what it sounds like, a lot of the players were happy with the room this past offseason, but, you know, the, the questions of accountability and who is owning up for the mistakes that the team has made still kind of persist. So I think there's still room for the the, the Jets locker room to grow. I think that there's stuff that they can change. And if the Jets sign some smart veterans who have been through all of it before and could lend some of their expertise and help guide the younger Jets players, I I think it could be a beneficial thing. You don't even have to worry about just picking them up to flip. I also think the Jets could just use a change of pace internally. So something to consider as Winnipeg tries to balance not only the uh, on-ice performance, but the off-ice issues that have plagued the team recently as well. And maybe this is a chance to try and at least do a little bit of internal culture change. But let me know what free agency you think the Jets should pick up Make your picks in the comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. In just a moment, I want to talk a little bit in broad terms about where I see Winnipeg's competitive timeline coming in. You know, when will the Jets next be a legitimate playoff force and how long are we really going to wait for this team to become something special once again? Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us for these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On, Jets. I just wanted to wrap up with some quick thoughts on a competitive timeline for the future Jets. I think this question has plagued us all recently because we don't know what direction Winnipeg wants to take to take this this season and going forward. I think it's obvious that we know a rebuild is is closer at hand than it is far, but I don't know if Winnipeg necessarily feels they want to do a full rebuild. They know how much that is likely going to hurt revenue, and this is a team that's already not doing great financially from the standpoint of attendance and ticket sales. So a rebuild is not palatable to anyone. It's not palatable to the players, but at some point, it probably will happen, just in a reduced scale. That means for me that I'm, I'm kind of thinking Winnipeg Say they try and be somewhat competitive this year, but they still miss the playoffs. If that's the case, I think the Jets are probably looking at being halfway decent in about three to four years. Uh, I think the additions of guys like Brad Lambert, um, Elias Salamonsen, uh maybe Vili Heinola if he's able to crack the lineup, uh, the continued growth of Dylan Sandberg, um, and I guess the waning seasons at this point uh, or at that point of, of Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers We'll be closer to 30 at that rate. Still probably very productive, still very quality, I'm sure. I think you are probably looking at that timeline as, as when the Jets might be decent again. I think the one question I have is uh, really in net, you know, if Dominic DiVicentes doesn't really pan out, how are the Jets going to try and find a replacement goalie? Because we very clearly don't have a hellebuck in the pipeline. Uh, it, if it, we did, it'd be pretty darn amazing but I think that would be a lot to expect of Divacentes, who is still a very top prospect. He looks like a really good goaltender, but unless the Jets have like a Dustin Wolf or something at the pro levels that we have yet to see, I'm just not really putting all of my eggs in one basket. And so for the Jets, you know, it's, it's really important to uh, do some scouting for some maybe underrated goalies. I think the Gustafsson trade uh, that we saw with Ottawa And Minnesota is a really good example of how you can find a player who's very undervalued, but who was very clearly a huge improvement on Cam Talbot when he arrived in Minnesota. Gustafson at times, I thought, played at the level of a Bezna caliber goalie, and he really didn't get that much recognition for it, but he was very good. And I think trades and acquisitions like that could really help the Jets in their quest to retool rather than rebuild. That's not going to say that, you know, the Jets are going to follow this model. I really don't know what their plan is. They have been very quiet, generally speaking. They've been doing some community engagement stuff in between, which I think is fantastic. Keep that up. But at some point, I'd also like to hear about the on ice direction of the team because as of right now, it's still pretty quiet. So all of that being equal, I think three to four years probably makes about the most sense just because that's the timeline that you're going to start seeing guys like McCrory, Lambert, and some of the other really talented players uh, filling in. The one thing that I do kind of wonder with the Jets, though, is like the middle six and bottom six players. The Jets used to make the bread and butter off of getting uh, late round picks who could become role players like that. And since then, we haven't really seen as many of those players making the jump. The Jets usually sign guys like Stenland, Gagne, et cetera, to eat up those minutes. It'd be nice if we can see more internal development because that's how we got to guys like uh, Cop. right? Andrew was a phenomenal player for many years. Uh, his Detroit Red Wings has been a little more uneven, but I'm sure if he were to come back to the Jets, he'd still probably be pretty decent, uh, just not for the price tag that he was asking for, but you know, certainly when he was with Winnipeg, he was a versatile player who could pretty much do anything you asked of him, whether it was being a serviceable top six winger or a really good penalty killer in your middle six or bottom six rotation. So the Jets definitely need to focus on extracting value there. That is how they can really cut Uh, some of the trade deadline fluff and really strengthen their team competitively top and talent. They've been taking more swings on skill. And I think that's admirable. And I love that. It's just now it's getting those guys to the NHL. And if they can do that three to four years feels like a a piece of cake. Honestly, this team still has a lot of talent to work with. It's just starting to round out the rest of it and adding some more finishing ability and eventually a new goalie that I think, you know, could be some of the biggest challenges facing that timeline going forward, because if if the Jets struggle with any of that, you're starting to look more towards like five or six years. But hopefully, it doesn't take that long for them to sort things out. You never know, though. Let me know how long you think it's going to be before the Jets are a playoff competitive again and a quality team. Drop your predictions in the comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at lo_winnipegjets underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's show, though, that is all the time that we have. Thanks so much for listening and making us your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to check out Locked On NHL as they continue their Stanley Cup finals coverage. The finals will start on Saturday, so be sure to tune in. We will see you there. As always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.